Welcome to another edition of the Cats by 90 podcast. I am your host, Aaron Gershon, and I hope this finds you well, safe, and uh, staying socially distant during this crazy, crazy time. And, you know, believe it or not, if everything falls into place, which is a lot to ask for, we are just a few weeks away from college football, about five weeks out of Kentucky's scheduled home opener, season opener, uh, on September 3rd, a Thursday night at Kroger Field against the Eastern Michigan Eagles, um, which would, of course, be a rematch of last year's Week 2 matchup um, that saw Terry Wilson uh, lose his season injury. Uh, with football drawing ever close, we don't want to get into a full season preview yet because we want to get a guest on to break down the 2020 Kentucky football team. and We obviously want to assure there's going to be football to talk about. Uh, we should probably, we should like, we'll likely be hearing uh, from the SEC uh, in a, the next week or a half, week, week and a half or so, because um, we got to, we, we got to know what the heck's going on, whether it's going to be a conference slate only, like the Big Ten and Pac-12 have already committed to, or no season, or delayed season, or a full normal season. Uh, you would think there's not going to be fans in attendance, but um we don't know. So we're going to stick to football. We're going to preview. What we're going to do is preview the SEC East and the teams. We're not going to talk all that much about Kentucky here. Uh, at the end, I'll kind of uh, give you just a little bit on Kentucky where I think they stand um, in this SEC East heading into 2020. But uh, we're going to focus on mainly the opponents. Obviously, Kentucky, you would think even if it's just an all-SEC slate, uh, would play their entire division at the very least. Um, but just a couple notes from Kentucky football, uh, just newsworthy stuff before we get going. Uh, not all that much on the football front the last few weeks. Obviously, the greatest news of all was that the entire team and staff was tested for COVID-19 and came back negative. I believe uh, athletes from all sports that are on campus uh, conducted tests, and there were three positives total. And it sounds from uh, the emails, at least, that it came from a, either women's soccer, women's volleyball, one of those sports, uh, so women's basketball, maybe. I think they might be back on campus. So to whoever it was, uh, we obviously hope you are feeling better and they're feeling better. But very good news on the football front uh, that there were no cases, especially when we're seeing all over the country um, programs have to take a break from their non-voluntary workouts to shut down the facility. So Really, really good news on that front. Uh, not much else, honestly. DeAndre Square is going to have another new number. Uh, he'll be wearing number five this season. He's, uh, of course, the linebacker, maybe the best linebacker Kentucky's got. Uh, wore 43 when he was an All-SEC freshman uh, in 2018. He wore number 17 last year. Now, repping number five, he said on Twitter, uh, no plan changes. And then I guess the other no, uh, newsworthy thing, would be C.J. Conrad, uh, Kentucky tight end, uh, for four years. One of the best tight ends in school history, I believe second all-time uh, in receiving yards from a tight end in the school's history, is back on campus. He will be serving as an off-the-field graduate assistant. We talked to him today on a Zoom press conference. He said uh, it, it's going to be, you know, he's just the beginning stages of this, so he's going to kind of be the coffee boy, do a lot of different small things, but the learning experience of his alma mater and working for Mark Stoops, uh, absolutely something he's excited about. So it'll be good to have CJ uh, back on campus. So now, as promised, I want to take you through the SEC East, and 
I'm going to just go from the teams that are expected to be the worst to the top of the chain. And then, again, I'll, I'll summarize where I think Kentucky stands um, really compa- in comparison uh, to the rest of the East. So we'll start, obviously, with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt coming off a 3-9 season uh, in 2019. Uh, they did not win a conference game. Uh, and this was a, that's a big step back because, actually, if you believe it or not, uh, pre- previous year they were in a bowl. Uh, Kyle Schumer, uh, Kyle Schirmer, rather, uh, Kyle Schumer, geesh, sorry, um, was a pretty good quarterback for them. He's up there at, as one of the best in program history. So he took him to definitely the bowl game, the Texas Bowl. They lost to Baylor. Uh, actually, took him to the Independence Bowl in 2016. So, you know, he's done, he did a, a lot for that program and Help them succeed. Well, last year, you know, they were kind of going back and forth at the quarterback position with Riley Neal, uh, a transfer from, I want to say, Troy. Um, and they had another quarterback in there. They had a great running back in Keyshawn Vaughn, but that was just way too little uh, for them to do anything with. Also, they had, I mean, it wasn't just that. I mean, you had uh, Kaja Lincecum and Jared Pinky, three draft picks right there on the offense, but no quarterback play. Uh Poor quarterback play, rather, really hurt them, and their defense wasn't great either. Uh, their only wins, Northern Illinois, Missouri, and East Tennessee State. So they did win a conference game. I'd take that back. I, that's right. They beat Missouri while they were ranked. Missouri was number 22. And then the week after, Missouri came to Lexington, and we all know how well that went for Kentucky. But uh, the worst part of the year for uh, Vanderbilt had to be losing at home to UNLV 34-10. to It was a really rough year. And, you know, it's going to be rough might even be rougher for them this year. They're losing uh, the guys I just listed off, Kishan Vaughn, uh, Kishan Vaughn, Kaja Lincecum, and Jared Pinky, all drafted or signed as non-drafted free agents um, in 2020. Uh, Lincecum with the Chiefs. Vaughn was drafted by the Buccaneers, so he'll play with Tom Brady. And then Jared Pinky uh, was Atlanta Falcons. He was signed by the Atlanta Falcons. So all three of those guys gone. Your quarterback is actually a familiar face, most likely. It's likely going to be Danny Clark. If you remember Danny Clark, he was here at Kentucky, uh, backed up Terry Wilson and, oh gosh, Gunnar Hoke in 2018. We actually saw him play a little bit against uh, Murray State. So it's a tough road for Vanderbilt. You're looking at their schedule. Uh, They definitely should beat Mercer week one if that game happens, of course. And their non-conference games ain't even easy. They got Colorado State September 26th. Louisiana Tech beat Miami in their bowl game last year. Actually shut them out. And let's see what their other non-conference. Kansas State. <laughs> They're not going to win that game. So you're only looking at a 1-2, to 3-win season for Vandy. Uh, obviously, we know Kentucky ran them over last year. 38-14 down in Nashville. Uh, so Vanderbilt, you know, it's probably going to be more of the same down there. Now let's move on to uh, Missouri. Missouri... Last year was a big disappointment. I know I bought into their hype. Uh, they bring in Kelly Bryant, the former Clemson quarterback who took that team, I believe, to the postseason. Um, and then he kind of got Wally Pitts, if you would, uh, by um, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he got hurt early on in that title year in 2018. Lawrence comes in, and you're not gonna you're not gonna win the job back. So uh, Missouri. With Kelly Bryant at quarterback, some real weapons at running back, and Larry Roundtree and Albert O, the big tight end, uh, things 
it appeared Missouri was going to have one of the best offenses in the country. It really did. Uh, instead, twenty the season was just a disaster for the Tigers. Um, six and six, they had a bull ban on them uh, due to misconduct and providing extra benefits to student athletes. Can't do it. So, just so much. Um, and th- they didn't hear about that till about midway through the year. So, even with a first, maybe the best linebacker, middle linebacker in the SEC, no one talks about Nick, Nick Bolton, who I think had 103 total tackles. Uh, Missouri couldn't really do much. They obviously the year got off to a really rough start, losing at Wyoming. Um, they got hot for a while, and like I said, they were ranked at number 22 with five straight wins: uh, West Virginia, South uh, East Missouri State, South Carolina, Troy Ole Miss. Then they get that bombshell loss to Vanderbilt. Kentucky blows them out. Georgia blows them out. Florida blows them out. Tennessee beats them, and then they obviously uh, end the year with a loss at Arkansas. Uh, ends up end up firing Barry Odom, and now it'll be. The beginning of the Eli Drinkwitz era there, the former Appalachian State head coach. Um, so they're going to be looking for answers at quarterback. Uh, they have a round tree coming back, but there's going to be some questions to answer there. Demarcus Acey, um, I'd have to check. I don't, I think Demarcus Acey, one of their best defensive players, uh, would also be done. I know Kale Garrett is done there. So, you know, there's a lot of holes to fill on that Missouri team. Uh, with their schedule, now they're looking at 2020. Uh, they probably still have enough to beat uh, Vanderbilt. That's definitely should be a conference win. Uh, their non-conference slate: Central Arkansas, Eastern Michigan, uh, BYU, and uh, Louisiana. So not the roughest uh, group, but uh, no gimmies in the SEC. Uh, Missouri, I would expect to be in kind of that four to six. I'd say four is probably the lowest they're going to go, and six is the highest. Um, but six is going to be really tough for them this year. Uh, we're going to turn our attention over to South Carolina. Kentucky obviously lost to South Carolina years a year ago, ending a five-game winning streak over the Gamecocks. And, you know, the Gamecocks are a tricky team to figure out, given the talent. I mean, Will Muschamp has brought a boatload of talent into that uh, into Columbia. They are almost a year in and year out rated as one of the top 20 to 15 recruiting classes in the nation. They just haven't been able to take that next step. They won nine games back in 2019, excuse me, in 2018. And then last year, things kind of fell apart early. Jake Bentley, say what you will about him. I mean, I think he's overrated, and now he'll be playing his uh, last year over at Utah. But Jake Bentley, who was a longtime starter there, obviously has the continuity. Uh, respect to that locker room. They lose him to a season-ending injury week one, and they lose to Mac Brown in North Carolina. They come and they come back strong against Charleston Southern, and then for the rest of the way, they just had the hardest schedule you can imagine. Alabama lost, Missouri lost, Kentucky obviously get, they get the win, and then you know they shock the nation. They beat number three Georgia um, down in Athens in double overtime, and that was after Ryan Holinsky, the now starting quarterback, he took over the true freshman. Uh, got hurt as well, so they did that for a lot of the game with the third-string quarterback. Uh, they lose to Florida, Tennessee, beat Vanderbilt, and then they have the loss to Eli Drinkwitz and App State, lose at Texas A&M, and, of course, in the rivalry game with Clemson. So really just a tough year for Muschamp, and now he kind of enters uh, 2020 on the hot seat, and he's going to have to do without uh, his two, really his two best overall players from a year ago, and Javon Kinlaw, first-round draft pick, 
of the San Francisco 49ers up front on the defensive line and wide receiver Brian Edwards, who's killed Kentucky over the years. Uh, he was drafted in the third round, actually one pick after Lynn Bowden back-to-back uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. So South Carolina, they always get a lot of love from the media. I think this year, again, they have they have quite a bit of guys of talent. That team has some of the best cornerbacks in J.C. Horn and I'm not even going to pronounce the last name, but Israel Maudalula. I wish I could pronounce your name, buddy, but he had four picks last year. Uh, 6'4 corner. He's on the Jim Thorpe Award list, uh, watch list. So they have some dudes in the secondary. I do think they're going to be a little bit better than uh, they were a year ago, but I'm not buying them to finish ahead of Kentucky or anything like that, like the national media would. I also love the addition of Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator. He's done some really good things throughout his career. Obviously, he was the offensive coordinator at Georgia. He was at Georgia from 2001 to 14. He was a quarterback's coach for his first five years and then the offense coordinator from there. And then he spent the last uh, four years, five years uh, head coach uh, as the head coach at Colorado State. So they're going to be interesting to watch. If you look at their schedule, um, you got to like their chances in their first two games with Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. Again, uh, God willing, we get normal college football. They'll take on Missouri, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, A&M, Texas A&M. At Vanderbilt, Georgia, LSU, Wofford, and now they, they're scheduled to play Clemson. There's already been rumors about the ACC not uh, playing non-conference ball, so we'll see. Uh, tough schedule, like always, for the Gamecocks, especially when you have Clemson every year at the end. But uh, I do expect improvement there. I think their ceiling is probably seven, but I would put them in that five to seven. They may if all if I think if hell broke loose, they'd lose four games. And Muschamp is gone. So before we get to the final three teams outside of Kentucky, and obviously sum up where I think they stand, we're going to take a quick listen to our sponsors. And we're back on the Cats by 90s podcast. I am your host, Aaron Gershon, and we are just previewing the SCC East as the college football season. As long as we knock on wood, wear masks and everything is uh, going to probably, or I'm not going to say probably, hopefully start on time, which would be, for Kentucky at least, uh, Thursday, uh, September 3rd, here at Kroger Field in Lexington. If uh, For the rest of the nation, there's actually week zero, the week before that, that Saturday, and then you know a lot of Saturday games. Kentucky obviously pushed to that Thursday night uh, for the Kentucky Derby happening over in Louisville on the 3rd on the 5th, rather, which was delayed, of course, because of the pandemic. Uh, we're going to go on to the Tennessee Volunteers. And for Kentucky, they're kryptonite, right? I mean, Kentucky has really, I'd go as far to say, up and down. But they've been past Tennessee for much of the past decade in the standings and with talent. Tennessee has fallen on hard times. They are not the 90s machine we once saw. But Kentucky still can't beat those pesky guys in orange. Um, Tennessee in 2018 was a 5-7 club. And they beat Kentucky 24-7 in Knoxville. Last season, Kentucky, Tennessee got off to a horrible start last year. I mean, you lose two home games back-to-back to Georgia State and BYU. People are already trying to throw out Pruitt um, after just a year and two games. But Tennessee, you know, to their credit, man, they start one and four because after getting a breeze with Chattanooga, 
they have to go to Florida and play Georgia, so they're going to lose those two games. And they had Alabama in there, so they're 2-5. and five. They can only lose twice more, and they go win out. They beat South Carolina, a formidable non-conference foe in UAB. They beat Kentucky, obviously, in Lexington in a gut-wrenching loss for Kentucky. Kentucky, again, looked like the better team and can't get the job done. And then they finished the year off by beating Missouri, Vanderbilt, and winning the Gator Bowl against Indiana for an 8-5 and five season. And what's, you know, good for Jeremy Pruitt and his staff, some of the talent that he's brought in there, because he's recruited extraordinarily well, is going to start taking over the playing time in 2020. Jared Garitano, uh, outside of Kellen Mond, is probably the most experienced quarterback in the league, uh, will be back for his senior year under center. They have playmakers behind them. At receiver, you lose Marquez Calloway and Josh, I believe Palmer's back, but they lose uh, Juwan Jennings also. But their offensive line with Cade Mays and Trey Smith and that defense with Henry Toto. I mean, there are a lot of guys to fear on that Tennessee roster. I don't think they're quite, I wouldn't put them as a team that can compete with Georgia and Florida, but they're definitely a team that should be back in a bowl again. Uh, you look at their schedule, Charlotte, that's a win week one. They won't play, unfortunately. Uh, no, the Big 12, has the Big 12 decided yet? Big 12 hasn't quite decided yet. I don't. I know Oklahoma's trying to make it work. They're scheduled to play week two at Norman, uh, at Oklahoma and Norman. Would probably lose if they play there. Uh, they'll play Fordham, Florida, Missouri, at Alabama, Alabama, at Arkansas, home against Kentucky. Kentucky has not won in Knoxville 19, since 1984. And before we can officially put Kentucky over uh, Tennessee in that SEC East conversation in the preseason, Kentucky's just got to go beat them, and especially Knoxville. They haven't done that uh, in my lifetime. I don't think they've done it in Drew. Uh, Drew Brown, my co-host, who's not with me today, uh, I don't think they've done it in his lifetime. So uh, they got to prove they can they can win down there, and then they'll finish up Georgia, Troy, Vanderbilt. But I think Tennessee, uh, if we're just going to go 12 Say they'll play the normal 12. I think they can win between 8 and, and 9. Uh, 10's probably pushing it. Uh, I don't see them losing more, uh, more than 5 in that schedule. So I'd put, them, I'd put them in the 7 being the worst possible outcome to 9 uh, being their ceiling for this upcoming season. Uh, we'll go on to the Florida Gators, who I'm really high on entering this 2020 campaign. And the reason why? Kyle Trask. So can Florida... Obviously, they're another team that's haunted Kentucky the last three decades. Um, Florida, Kentucky has their, you know, lately their normal lead over Florida late in the game. Felipe Franks goes down the end of that third quarter to a season ending, ended up being the end of his Florida career ending injury. And Kyle Trask, a guy who's hardly played any college football, he was a backup in high school, comes off the bench, leads tennis, uh, leads Florida past Kentucky against the Kentucky defense. That ended up finishing second best in the nation against the pass in the top 20. He leads them back in an 11-point comeback in the fourth quarter and just takes over. He kills Tennessee. They beat Towson as expected. He leads them past Auburn. Close game in Death Valley against LSU. They lose to the national champs. They beat South Carolina. They lose by just a touchdown to Florida to Georgia. And then they went out. They beat Vanderbilt. They beat Missouri. They beat Florida State. And he wins an Orange Bowl. That ain't easy. That that deserves a lot of respect. Uh, Kyle Trask is going to lead that team pretty far uh, 
in his first full year, I believe it. And I know they've lost a lot, especially on defense, but they're Florida, man. They reload. Uh, they will have Kadarius Toney, one of the best all-purpose players in the country back. Um, that offensive line is getting more experience. They were really young last year. They get most of that back next year. The, the defense would be what can, worries me with the Gators, but, you know, they also, what what's a huge luxury and underrated aspect is they have maybe the league's best kicker in Evan McPherson, and we've seen with Kentucky the last two years since we, um, since uh, Austin McGinnis left how important having a stable kicker is, and Florida's got it. So Florida, for me, we're looking at their 2020 schedule. Eastern Washington, they'll win. Kentucky, we'll, we'll see what happens. South Alabama uh, is a shoe-in win. They'll, they'll go to Tennessee, South Carolina, host LSU, go to Ole Miss, play Georgia, Vanderbilt, Missouri, New Mexico State, and Florida State. So you're probably only looking at a max of two losses there. I think they have a legitimate chance at the East and win the whatever bowl game they're in. So I'd put their I'd put their the worst case scenario I'd say is nine. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're looking at more of a ten to eleven win regular season uh, with a chance at a bowl to add on. And then of course the three time defending SEC East champion Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Georgia is really interesting to me. Uh, everyone, you know, it's hard not to pick them to win the East, right? I mean, they have, um, <laughs> they're Georgia, you know, they've dominated the division the last three years. They beat up on Florida to win that, uh, win it last year and the year before that. You have a defense that is pretty much fully intact from a year ago. Um, but the offense, this is why I'm worried about them. You're going to get, I believe it's three or four new starters up front on the offensive line. You have a Brent, Jamie Newman, the transfer from Wake Forest, great quarterback, uh, but he hasn't played it down in Georgia yet, and they didn't really have a chance to practice because of this COVID stuff. Uh, you'll have George Pickens, your number one receiver, but DeAndre Swift is gone at running back. There, there's some questions there. Their starting tight end is gone. He was drafted. There's questions on that offense, and yes, they're Georgia. They're going to reload. They have the talent, but do they have the continuity they need? Do they have the reps they need? I don't know. So I think Georgia, for that reason, uh, is could be a little bit, I wouldn't say down this year, but I'd say they're more <clears throat> vulnerable this year than they were a year ago. Their schedule for the 2020 campaign as it stands right now. Virginia, pretty tough test week one, uh, if we still have non-conference play there. East Tennessee State at Alabama, that's a great one. Louisiana, Monroe, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Missouri. Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia Tech. Not a hard schedule. I mean, <clears throat> Virginia's a good opponent. They'll kill East Tennessee, Louisiana, Monroe. Alabama on the road's going to be tough, and then the SEC's the SEC, but... They're they're kind of in that same boat, you know. Worst case scenario would be a ten wins ten and two regular season, and you lose to Florida. You don't win the East, but they're going to be up there, uh, even with the offensive speculation I have. So where does Kentucky kind of fall in here? I, you know, I think for Kentucky the key is, I I think they're they're definitely ahead of Tennessee talent wise, but they got to prove they can beat them. If they haven't proven it. And if they do that, 
it'd be different. If they've had, if, uh, rather, if they have had beaten Tennessee, really the last three years, they won two years ago, but they should have a three-game win streak right now. If they had earned those wins, I'd be saying they're third best team in the division because I think they are the third best team in the in the division. But they got to prove it. So I think the key is because there's a lot of expectations that this is the year that they'll win the East, and I think it's their best chance. I think Georgia's vulnerable. That game will be at home. We'll see what the crowd situation's like. They gotta, they have to go two and one between Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia. They have to go two and one. I think the winnable games there, the most. I think Florida is going to be really tough at the Swamp this year. <clears throat> I think if you can find a way to win in Knoxville, you can find a way to somehow beat Georgia. You might win the East because things could happen where Georgia beats Florida, whatever. And then obviously can have any stupid slip-ups to a Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. But Kentucky, with all their returning talent, the offensive line, you know, four to five guys back, Terry Wilson healthy, all three running backs back, every receiver back, yeah, you lose Lynn. Your defense, your, you know, your pass rusher's back, uh, no Calvin Taylor, but your Boogie Watson's back, DeAndre Square's back. The secondary's fully intact, and wow, was it amazing last year. This team on paper might be, I think is on paper, I think they're the third best team in the SEC East, only behind Florida and Georgia. They got to be Tennessee to prove it. And if I'm, I don't want to give you my predictions on them yet. I want to do a full length preview, but I'd say a ceiling for them is uh, 10 wins, maybe even 11. The worst possible outcome, I think, is seven to eight. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're all staying safe and. Wearing a mask so we can play some football. Till next time.